Welcome to the NFL Week 2 Daily Fantasy Dudes Podcast. Tom Gallon here alongside Matt Van Every, And I know I, for one, am happy to put Week 1 in the rearview mirror and look forward to Week 2 action, where I expect things will be a little more true to form on the fantasy front. It certainly was a wild and uh, you know somewhat painful at times week one. Uh, I felt that there was a lot of standout performances that bode well going forward, and there were also some that say to me, where am I wait and see hat a little bit where they're concerned. Bishop Sankey jumps to mind. But overall, Tom, it's just great to have the NFL back in full swing. I'm really excited about this weekend and some of the opportunities that it presents. Yeah, there's no doubt. Week one does tend to be a, a bit unusual, and I've learned not to get too carried away thinking Events of those games are necessarily a forebearer of the season to come, but there were definitely a few things I think worth noting. One thing I saw have the defenses kind of caught up with the offenses because very few of the elite players were able to get their games going, even when it looked like ideal matchups in week one. But then again, it could be that this is more about the lack of offensive starters playing during those last couple of preseason games, especially game four. Nowadays, they're so concerned with injuries, they don't even play those guys in the final game. Secondly, special teams and defenses played a big role in the week one scoring. I saw a lot of pick sixes, often on balls that hit receivers right in the numbers. They'd pop up and get an easy interception. And we saw the speed of the return guys in St. Louis and Seattle in particular that helps make both those teams elite plays from a fantasy standpoint. And finally, <laughs> I still can't get out. That Sunday night game, Eli Manning, really? You get paid over $20 million a year and screw the pooch that badly at the end of a game. Nice clock management. That was one of the the most surprising things I've seen, although it really isn't that surprising. As he's, uh, he's so erratic over the years. But, you know, Tom, along those lines, I'm really curious to see some of these new coaches and some of their impact. Can we anticipate the reemergence of Norv Turner? You know, I was excited about him back in his role that he seemed to be good at as an offensive coordinator. But I think that maybe... Maybe the game's passed him by. I don't really know. But, you know, Tom, back to Eli Manning. You know, if there's one guy that might be able to feel his pain, that would be Tony Romo, you know, across the field. He's always had that choker wrap on him ever since he dropped that place kick back in Seattle in the playoffs years ago. You know, however, the numbers do say that he's a pretty clutch quarterback of this generation. And, and think of this, Tom. You know, the knock on him is the Super Bowls. And I agree with that. I'm all about a winner. But if you could have one quarterback any season in the past decade, Tony Romo or Eli Manning? You know, that, that's some good food for thought for you. And, and Tom, speaking of Romo, you know, one thing that did get my attention as well on the field was the dominant play at the tight end position all over the league in week one. Highlighted by learning that the talk of the demise of Jason Witten may have been a little bit premature as his connection with Romo appears to continue to be very strong. Of course, Gronk opening night on Thursday, followed by Travis Kelsey and Tyler Eifert stealing their shows in their contests much to the delight of DFS owners, I might add. Zach Ertz looked good, and he may be ready to finally reach his potential. And guys like Jordan Reed in D.C., Austin Safarian Jenkins in Tampa, were unleashed on opponents and surprised everyone with the strength of their games. I watched a lot of that Tampa Bay game, and I, well, I'll give him credit. I, I think you know Austin Safarian Jenkins is a, is a solid tight end. But so much of that was late in the game. It's like It's hard to judge when teams are behind so early. And then, you know, obviously... Efert just ate up the Raiders. I don't know if that's necessarily a sign of what's to come, but he's a, you know, he's a quality tight end. So I'm not sure this first week with all the tight ends, because you're right. I was definitely very tight end heavy as far as the guys that really stepped up and had big games. I just don't think that's necessarily a sign of things to come. No, I understand that. But, but I'll tell you that, you know, as far as Safarian Jenkins and Tampa, I could see them in that situation a whole lot this year. You know, I'm not so this long week. Famous, so oh. they might be doing that week to week, you know, oh, you could be right now. They would, they are getting, 
I don't think Mike Evans is necessarily back for sure this week, but there's a good chance. And I think once he has Mike Evans and Vince Jackson, then, you know, it'll probably even out a little more than it did the first week. But absolutely. I mean, he's he's kind of that new age of tight end where he's really big, kind of like Gronk, you know, the, these guys that are really big targets. And so, yeah, it's, it's obvious why a young quarterback would kind of gravitate toward that guy because he's the guy he's going to see. There, there's no doubt this guy who's like 6'5", six, 6'7", six, whatever he is, I'm going to notice that guy when I'm desperate to get the ball out of my hands. Definitely, and he's and he's probably, you know, 10 yards down the field or so, and he's under pressure. He's panicking. He's a young guy. He's like, oh, my God, hey, big boy, power forward, take this. <laughs> That's exactly like that. Tony Gonzalez back in the day for Cal. Come on. Absolutely. Good example. Good example. All right, let's move on to week two and get straight to the recommendations. First up, quarterback spot. I know, Matt, last week you were big on Sam Bradford, as a lot of people were. And in week one, I'd say, you know, he wasn't bad. He put up reasonable numbers despite the loss on Monday night. What are your thoughts on QB for week two? You know, one pick that came through for me in week one, and I am going to continue to ride this hot hand into Chicago in week two, is Carson Palmer. Especially with the price tag on DraftKings, only $6,700. It's less than names like Matt Stafford, Eli Manning, Cam Newton. To me, that's a no-brainer. And another guy I like, he's also at 6700 on DraftKings, is Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. You know, a lot of offense down there. Joe Flacco, because who's he playing? The Raiders. So, of course, I like Joe Flacco as well. Yeah, I'm pretty much with you, certainly on Palmer, that that price range. For some reason, I don't know what it is, it's kind of a gut feeling. I think that Arizona-Chicago game is a bit of a shootout this week. So I, I think Carson's a good play at 6,700. I do still like Bradford. I just think he's going to be fairly heavily owned. I'm definitely a big GPP player. He'll be in probably 25% of the lineups, give or take, because his price didn't change from last week. Those guys that play on Monday night, oftentimes they don't change at all, maybe even drop their price just a little bit. So he's still at that 6,900 level on DraftKings. And then the other guy that I, and really overall, I'm not on board with this guy that much, but I just think the matchup is great. I think Drew Brees is a great play at home against Tampa Bay at 7,800 on DraftKings. Those are my three quarterbacks, Bradford, Brees, and Palmer. Those are the guys I think will be in all of my lineups, and I might have as many as 10 lineups this week. Well, I'll tell you, I, I looked at Breeze really, really closely, and one thing that did scare me, he played Tampa twice last year, and he threw a total of, I believe, six interceptions. I think it was five. You're right, but he did have big yardage and a couple touchdowns. But you're right. He did. He definitely got picked. There's no doubt. But I agree. Overall, I think that he's a, he's a good pick. But I, I think talk about being in a lot of lineups, that worries me about him as well. I think he's going to be in a lot of lineups. Well, I looked at the initial lineup percentages based on the Thursday night picks, and Bradford was in 22% of the lineups submitted on Thursday night on FanDuel. Matt Ryan was 12%. Andrew Luck was 8%. And I think the Esta, where was Breeze actually wasn't anywhere. So they're probably, I would guess Breeze probably not more than 10%, give or take. So that doesn't look too bad. I mean, Bradford, obviously, people, they're not idiots. I mean, they know that this guy's going to play in an offense that is constantly throwing the ball. And at 6900 with no change in his price, it's obvious that he's a good play. So I, I've got no problem with that. So to me, I'd say Breeze is my kind of a secondary one. I'm with you. I think Carson Palmer, I don't know why. It's just kind of a gut feeling, like I say. I think that game's going to be a lot more scoring than we think with no Andre Ellington as a reliable running back. I think uh, Carson will be, you know, flipping the ball in the air. And I anticipate that game probably being in the 50-point range overall for the total. I wouldn't be a bit surprised by that. Yeah, and I think if Carson can stay healthy this year, we could maybe see a career year out of him because he he does have some good talent around him. Week to week, he's the guy I'm going to be looking at that price tag on for sure. 
Yeah, Carson's interesting. I mean, you know, Arizona, I don't think is known for being necessarily an offensive machine, but if his price stays in that sub $7,000 range on DraftKings, and he's certainly similar cheapness on other sites, why wouldn't you? All right, let's move on to running back. Obviously, a lot more choices in running back. I think this is really a week to go with the discount at running back. You know, as much as the big names, AP, probably a solid play this week against Detroit. But you have so many guys that are in that really cheap range. Chris Ivory, a little worried about an injury that we don't know about for sure for Monday night. But he's a guy you can plug in on Monday night. 4,700 on DraftKings right now. Chris Johnson is supposedly going to get the most of the carries in place of Andre Ellington for Arizona. 3800 bucks, And you know, a guy I kind of like is Lance Dunbar going against Philly because a lot of receptions last week. Well, I think this week there's going to be many more plays, obviously, because now they're playing Philly. And I just have a feeling that Lance Dunbar at a dirt cheap 3000 on DK, he might be worth looking at. Worth looking at for sure. Definitely. Yeah, some of the guys that you like, you know, obviously you're a Mark Ingram fan. I'm, I'm on board with that this week. 5900 on DraftKings. Figure that, you know, if the Saints get a lead, they're going to run the ball most of the time. Last week he was mainly a receiver, but I think this week he won't necessarily have to be. Uh, I do like Tevin Coleman playing against the Giants for Atlanta because his speed is something that I don't think the Giants defense can really keep up with. And I was impressed with him in week one. I thought he Yeah, he was good. He looked, I, I thought he looked solid. Now, the tough part is always to... You're playing against Philadelphia, where you know there's just it's just such a different game that I don't know how much that translates to a more normal game. But from what I saw, I, I like the guy. I think he's got great speed, great opportunity here against uh, the Giants, who don't exactly have a stellar run defense. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with Tevin Colvin for sure. A few guys that I really like, I'm with you. I think you hit the nail on the head with some value picks. One that's not so much the value, but I, I do think he has a good week, is Marshawn Lynch. He's more of my traditional pick this week. I think he'll follow kind of in Matt Forte's footsteps. He's at a pretty reasonable $7,200. Decent value, considering. But my two big value plays this week, and I'm almost looking to create a lineup that's, you know, most of these these websites are going to be a PPR format for DFS. So I like the idea of my two running backs kind of being almost extra wide receivers. So. Yeah. But that said, the guys I'm looking at, Abdullah, against the Vikings this weekend, both in the backfield and returning punts as well. He's only $4,500 at DraftKings after the week he had last week. Wow. And then another sleeper pick, and this one is my deep, deep sleeper. See what you think. Shane Vereen for a pittance at 4200 at home against the revamped Atlanta defense, which we saw last week. There was one thing they couldn't really stop the whole game, and that was the pass to the running back out in space. There's few guys that are better at it than Shane Vereen, and I expect him to get the bulk of the work this week out of the Giants' backfield. And then I also like Justin Forsett again against the Raiders. I'll probably throw a lot of Ravens in there against the Raiders, that's for sure. And then lastly, don't sleep on DeMarco Murray. He is 7,000. He's headed home to Philly this week, and I always like players facing their old teams, especially when they let them go, and it's kind of like a, you know what, I want to show you. Definitely worth watching. Yeah, and I agree with you know the revenge game and all that, coming back playing against your old team. But it just to me, at the running back spot, there seems to be so much value where you can now load up on receivers. That's why I'm a little bit afraid this week of playing on DeMarco Murray because I kind of got burned to some degree. I, I expected much bigger from DeMarco last week. Definitely, definitely. And I, I think really I, my starters are most likely going to be Abdullah and Vereen. I think that at that price, 
it allows me to load up elsewhere. And so most likely I will go with Abdullah and Vereen at my two running back spots. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm totally sold on, on Vereen necessarily just because that's kind of a three-back rotation. It's hard to judge what the Giants are going to do. It is. From what I saw from Abdullah last week, man, that guy is quick. He can catch balls out of the backfield, no problem. I, I like the chances, and I kind of think they're going to start steering away from necessarily going to Joyke Bell as their only running back option. I think you're going to you're probably going to be right that Abdullah might be the better play between those two with Detroit. I think so, yeah. After seeing him though last week and seeing those highlights, I'm moving towards all in on that guy. He's got some talent that translates really well to the NFL. You know, I noticed neither of us picked Carlos Hyde, which his uh, his salary actually, you know, on some sites it, it went might have even gone down a little bit, but it definitely didn't go up because of that Monday night game. And so it's interesting neither of us picked him. However, I like those two, the scat back type guys this week, and I, uh, I'm just kind of that's kind of where I'm at. I like Hyde. The only thing is, I'm I'm much bigger of a GPP player than say 50-50s. and Hyde, from what I saw on the initial announcement from what the Thursday night games were on Fanduel. He's looking like he's going to be owned by 25% plus because obviously he had a great game. And the matchup in Pittsburgh isn't that bad. But I can tell you, I'll probably include him at least on a few lineups because they're only going to be going to him pretty much. Reggie Bush is not playing. The Australian guy that they have as the backup, while he's a quality guy and all, he hasn't played in the NFL enough. So he might see 10 carries. But Carlos Hyde is probably going to see 20 plus unless the 49ers fall behind an awful lot early, which... Is possible, but I just have a feeling they'll probably keep it a close game against Pittsburgh. I think so, too. I agree with you there. And, you know, you just made me think, speaking of Pittsburgh, this will be D'Angelo Williams last week as the starter before Le'Veon Bell gets back. And so I, I think I do like D'Angelo. He really impressed me last week, and this could be his his last time to show that not only the Steelers, but potentially, you know, a team he might play for in the future, that, hey, I've still got it. I like his chances for a decent game as well. Yeah, I don't expect the Niners to be quite as good as they were in opening week, but, you know, they did shut down AP, so I'm not 100% sure I'd be all that confident in D'Angelo having a big game. I think, I think Norv won. shut down AP, but, you know. The Niners' defense was quick, man. Got to give them credit. So I don't know if that's the real deal, but at least for this week, given that there's only one running back, I think Pittsburgh will probably be leaning more on the Heath Millers and the Antonio Browns and probably get it done that way. So, I think he's a quality backup. There's no doubt. I think he sticks with that team. He's a quality backup to your main guy, Le'Veon Bell, when he gets back. So uh, D'Angelo may be seeing the playoffs this year, so good for him. Moving on to wide receiver. First week, a lot of the studs didn't come through. I'm not going to suddenly jump on all of them in their you know bounce-back week, but I do think several of them probably will see better games. I mean, I can't believe that Odell Beckham was such a second thought on the Sunday night game where – Everybody expected that was going to be Dez and Odell Beckham just going for 100-plus yards. Neither one of those guys did anything, and now Dez is out for six to eight weeks. That was a stunner. I totally agree. That game did not go at all how we thought it would and how history dictated. I mean, the past like oh, four or five times they've matched yeah. up, it was it went exactly – it was a, a wide receiver battle, high scoring. It was nothing like what we saw. That was really surprising. However, I kind of like Odell this week. I think that it, it could be a good bounce-back week for him, and we have seen that Atlanta will give up passing yardage to opposing receivers. Along with Jarvis Landry, once again in Miami, I'm all in on Landry. The guys in the NFL that I saw a rapport between the quarterback and a wide receiver, which I guess it's tough to say if Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen as well, but I really liked what I saw between Landry and Tannehill. And then finally, I do like the Steve Smith Jr. against, again, the Raiders at $6,000. You know, he was held in check in week one, which I know is probably very much on his shoulder. The Raiders are, they're in the business of making quarterback wide receiver combos look like the prime years of Manning Harrison right now, it seems. So I do like Steve Smith Jr. along with Landry and Odell Beckham. 
Yeah, and I think Odell's going to have a bounce back. I'm not really sold on Steve Smith necessarily. I just think the age is – he's 36, and maybe it's caught up to him. Granted, the Raiders' safeties, they might be missing both of their starting safeties, so that gives them a lot of hope. I just think the Raiders got burned mostly by the tight end positions, so I'm not 100% sure that would be it. One thing I was listening to earlier today was Mark Lawrence, who does a podcast mainly for spread betting, and I I was listening for my pools more than my fantasy stuff. And one thing they were pointing out, because they are kind of taking on, like everybody else, a daily fantasy perspective on top of their other stuff, is they were talking about doing a double up of playing guys that are both receivers and returners for certain teams and then playing the defense with them. And you know what? I started looking at it. I was like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense because you obviously had Jarvis Landry, who I do like again this week. You had him last week. He ran back a kick. You get the points for the touchdown there, but you also get the defensive and special teams points that go with that. So it doubles up. Now, one of them that they were also talking about for this week, and I think is one that nobody, and I mean nobody will be on. It's one that I'll call this my value play of the week. Ted Ginn Jr., Combined with Carolina on defense. He dropped a touchdown pass. It was right in his hands. Dude, and that scare I, I don't know if that's going to scare Cam off. But they're playing Houston. And the opportunity is there for a run back. The guy is going to get some receiving opportunities because they're missing their number one guy. So that one was interesting. You know, I still love Jarvis. I mean, I, I love Miami as an option against the Jags. And then you also have Tavon Austin going against Washington because St. Louis is a great matchup against Washington. And if Tavon happens to get a few catches in between and maybe runs one back, that's a nice double up and very few people will be on that type of a situation. I think you're onto something there, you know, and, and who doesn't like those double up points? You know, it, it seems like every year there's a few players like that that get you those points. And when you, as soon as you see him break off that run on that punt return or that kickoff return, and you're like, man, he's already having a good game on offense. And now he just broke off a hundred yard return. Oh man, I'm sitting yeah. pretty. Well, the value is the biggest key. Cause you know, obviously St. Louis is expensive as defenses goes, but it's not very expensive. And Ted Ginn, on the offensive side, he's 3,100 on DraftKings. Jarvis is, you know, mid-range at 5,900, but that's still a pretty good deal. So I have no problem throwing at least a few lines. And I think this week there are so many opportunities that maybe this is the week that I might throw 10 lineups out there because you can spread them out pretty good and have a good mix of stars and studs, as they say. So I think the rest of my lineups, I always love to have somebody on the Monday night game. Brandon Marshall is a little bit expensive, so I have no problem dropping down to Eric Decker as an option. And we've already discussed the running back situation with taking Ivory. I'm, I'm totally on Ivory if he's healthy, but we probably won't know that until at the very earliest Sunday, but certainly by Monday. So Eric Decker to me, 5,100 right now on DraftKings. Kind of a gut feeling. I think that guy scores this week. I also like for the Cowboys, you know, they're going to have to go to somebody. Everybody's talking about Terrence Williams, and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But also Terrence Williams is the guy that, everybody knows about you bump up that number two to the number one everybody oh yeah yeah that's the guy to play well how about cole beasley or like i said earlier at the running back i don't mind going with dunbar who's also a receiver out of the backfield for them randall's probably their main running guy but i kind of like going cole beasley at 3300 on DraftKings as opposed to terrence williams in that spot because hardly anybody will make that move down to him couple other guys, I do love A.J. Green. I think A.J. Green's going to have a big game against San Diego. And I'm very iffy on this because I think maybe I just miscalled this one to start the season. But I'm leaning more towards Andre Johnson than I am what everybody else is saying, which is Dante Moncrief on Monday night. Andre Johnson looked like crap the first week. There's no two ways about it. He looked slow. He looked disinterested. So everybody's off of him. 
Well, I'm willing to be on him for one more week. I'll admit I was kind of off of him as well. And, you know, I think you really make a good point about Terrence Williams. That had occurred to me, too. Because, yeah, Dez is gone, so everyone's like, oh, Terrence Williams the man in Dallas. I don't know that that's something that he's capable of. I guess we'll find out. Cole Beasley, though, you know, you make a great point, and I had read earlier where completion percentage between Romo and Cole Beasley, I believe it's over 70% of, wow. of targets turn into receptions, which is one of the higher in the league. And that's a sign that a quarterback trusts a, a player. That's a guy that usually is going to show up on a week-to-week basis. A lot of talk I heard this week was about, the obviously, New Orleans and Drew Brees, but you know, I like Brandon Cooks, and he's kind of the favorite target. But what about Brandon Coleman? Because he's the cheap option, and I have heard quite a few people saying, you know what, Brandon Coleman might be a play this week. I've heard the same thing. I've heard a lot of guys saying that. I'm not sold. You know, for one, I didn't see enough out of the New Orleans offense. That's one of those offenses that their week one performance is not enough for me to make a decision on one way or the other. Cooks did not have a very good game. He still is talented enough that I'm not giving up on him by any means. Coleman looked good, but who knows? I mean, you know, it's like in the past. You've got different guys popping up every week with Drew Brees as the quarterback. You know, Kenny Stills and Pierre Thomas at running back and just a different guy every week down there. And Coleman could be one of those guys that that that's his week and then we don't hear from him again until week four or five. He's not a guy that I'm ready to roll with just yet. I think I'd rather probably step up to the A.J. Green level if I was going to do that and then mix in some of the more value guys. There really are a ton of guys that are value-oriented but are well worth playing, so you don't necessarily need to jump up to the Odells. We'll get to this a little later when we talk about our tips, but some of the guys, even the elite guys that had big weeks last week, I'm not necessarily on this week. It's just, you know, it's a different situation, and it's pretty rare, even for the Gronks of the world, that you have these back-to-back two- and three-touchdown games. So I'll probably lay off a guy, for instance, like Julio Jones, Part of it, a little bit of injury talk for him, like maybe he's got another hamstring issue, which scares me away. But just generally, I don't believe these guys necessarily do it two weeks in a row all that often. So I'd rather go and grab a guy, maybe like you were thinking, like Odell, who had a crap week, who I expect to bounce back, rather than think I'm going to score again. And especially since a lot of people are going to own him. Julio Jones had a great week last week, so of course he's going to be 30-40% owned in a lot of these tournaments. I want to be on the guy that's more in the 10 to 15 range, even if I'm taking a, a superstar level. I think, too, you know, on a guy to take in a back-to-back sort of situation, like Landry, who had a pretty solid week last week, but he's not totally reliant on the touchdown. He catches a lot of ball. He's a quantity receiver, which, speaking of quantity receivers, you know, you nailed Keenan Allen last week. Where did he go for you this week? I love him overall, but, you know, different situation playing on the road against Cincinnati, a pretty good team. He had 15 catches last week. That's absurd. I mean, come on. That's just not going to happen. I actually liked their tight end more. And last week it frustrated me because he was on that questionable concussion list the whole week. So I didn't know if he's going to play. So I'm like, I, I could play Ladarius Green, but I didn't know to the last minute that he was actually playing. So this week, if I was going to play a San Diego Charger on the receiving end, I'd probably lean a little more toward him because I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, a little more of a tough grinded out type of game. But uh, Keenan Allen for the year, and I, you know, he's one of the guys I drafted in my season-long team. I think Keenan Allen's going to put up humongous numbers very much at that elite level. So while I'm not on him this week, he's a guy that if you can catch him at like $1,000 or more below some of those true superstar levels for the next several weeks, he's worth taking. 
Well, and I think that, you know, one thing that Phillips Rivers does as well or better than anyone in the league is spread the ball around. A couple of years back, you know, I think he had something like he'd thrown a touchdown pass to like 24, 25 guys during one season. Wow. It was a year that Vincent Jackson <laughs> held out at the beginning of the year. Oh, so yeah. they were really doing a patchwork of wide receivers. So he's known for spreading the ball around. You know, he's got Stevie Johnson. He's got Ladarius Green. You know, he's got uh, Danny Woodhead, who's a guy we didn't mention. You know, so it's just kind of you never know. But he seems really to believe in Q now. Going back a little bit too, you mentioned Eric Decker, and I wanted to say too, because in my Roto League, I had actually been targeting him as a trade candidate, somebody that isn't necessarily going to be on the radar yet. You know, he is owned. I just had a feeling that later in the year, if Brandon Marshall were to miss a game or two, Eric Decker is absolutely a guy that can step in and be a number one receiver. Plus, even as a number two receiver, I mean, he's probably one of the stronger number twos in the league. So let's move on to tight end. And this is a spot where this week, I just don't think there's a ton of options as far as, you know, I'm not going to go beyond a, a basic three. So the three I'm looking at, I think Greg Olson will bounce back and have a big game for Carolina. I do like Heath Miller against the 49ers. Uh, last week, Kyle Rudolph was one of the few guys that actually performed well for Minnesota. And if I'm going to take a flyer, and I, you know, other than maybe one lineup, I probably won't do this. But obviously, we know what Efert did against the Raiders last week. Well, Crockett Gilmore for Baltimore is dirt cheap again this week. Now, the thing that bothered me last week is they really didn't start looking to him until the fourth quarter. He got a couple catches, and he was the guy they were targeting on the final attempt for a touchdown that got tipped and intercepted. So I'm glad for that part, but I just don't feel that confident that he's necessary to go into Oakland and be a bigger target. But man, the Raiders could not guard the tight end for their lives last week. That's absolutely true. And, and you know, I'll tell you, I was thinking that already because I remembered you mentioned him last week and thinking, you know, that could be a really good play this week. A guy that I'm not big on is kind of bothers me almost because this guy, the expectations are always there. And, you know, Jared Cook, I've heard some people talk about Jared Cook. It seems like he has one that one good game every year that tantalizes you and shows you what his talent is. I saw a guy on online on a message board talking about trading Owen Daniels for Jared Cook. And, uh, you know, I pump the brakes a little bit on Jared Cook. I definitely am not crazy about him this week. However, you know, guys I do like this week, I like Kyle Rudolph at home in the Twin Cities, especially at $3,500. I mean, he's good value. And another one I like is Martellus Bennett against the Cardinals in Chicago. You know, he was the most targeted receiver for Cutler last week. I think that this week he could see a lot of targets. And then, not to toot my horn, but in Roto, I drafted Tyler Eifert. He's $4,200 this week. I don't know why we did not mention him. I don't know why I didn't. Everything tells me I've always liked him. I've always thought he had ability. It's almost just like he, like I forgot or something, which I'm sorry, but until midseason when Andy Dalton, you know, turns back into a pumpkin, I think that there's a good chance that Eifert is a really good play, you know, and then after that point, you know, at no fault of his own, he might slip a little bit. Um, but for now, he's that number two target. Uh, as you said, the char- Chargers are, are a little prone to giving up uh, points to the tight end. So I, I do like Eifert as well. I like Eifert, except he's one of the, in fact, as of uh, the Thursday games, he's the highest owned tight end. So that's what scares me, even even higher than Gronkowski. So I think they want to probably open up the game for AJ a little more this week. He had a few opportunities against the Raiders, but I think this week they might focus on him a little more. But for sure, Eifert's a, a quality guy. And I think the reason most of us didn't think of him is just because the guy missed a year. So what are you going to do? You know, you don't really think of a guy that missed a year is going to just pop right back in and, and perform at that level. But man, he's got great size, great skill. In fact, I remember watching him on the previous season's Hard Knocks, and you could totally tell this guy's the real deal. He's just 
He's good. What you just said there about him, that does make A.J. Green, I think, a really good play because he probably has opened, you know, the defenses are going to be really like, okay, we got to stop Byford. We got to stop Byford. Don't forget about the all-pro receiver out there on the edge. You're probably right. He's probably a real good play this week for that reason. And, you know, they just seemed a little bit off in the first week against the Raiders. I don't know what it was, but a lot of times it's just, you know, it's a timing issue between the quarterback and the receiver and didn't get a whole lot of playing time. I don't know if Eifert played more in the preseason or what. I would imagine he probably did just because AJ is the guy they're going to protect. But as the season moves on, I'm sure that the connection between quarterback and receiver will be a little bit better. So moving on to the defenses, I think we we talked a little bit about somewhat my plan this week. I'm going to do that combo play. So I'm big on the Rams. They're playing at Washington. No Deshaun Jackson. I just, you know, the Rams have an opportunity there to really roll this game up and interceptions are a big part of it. But Tavon Austin would be too. I do like the Panthers. <laughs> One game in, and Houston's already changed quarterback. I just, hey, you tell me. Do, do you think this is not possible? Because I think it is. Certain quarterback who played his college days at a very high level in the state of Texas. Why would the Houston Texans not go after him? RG3, buddy. He played at Baylor. Why wouldn't they make a move for him at this point? They have no quarterback. You could get him for a box of donuts. Take his contract, and that's that. Do you think he's got a future? I mean, do you believe in RG3 that he's still got a future? I don't know that I believe in RG3 particularly, but I don't believe that the Houston Texans currently have a competent quarterback. So why not? Hey, Brian Hoyer, I mean, goodness gracious, man. What, who, you know, well, a- and now you're going with a guy named Mallet. Okay? Ryan Mallet. You think that's going to work out? He's a mallet head. That's what most people are going to say. When he has a bad game. And yeah. The hard knocks and he could he overslay. Exactly. You know, he's the exactly. one guy making excuses about his alarm. I, he walked in the building saying, I already bought a new alarm clock. I was <laughs> like, oh my God, I gave that excuse in high school, man. Come <laughs> on. My whole thing is, Bill O'Brien, you've got to realize, and the general manager, you do not have a quarterback on this roster currently that is competent in the NFL. And you've got too good of a defense and some pretty decent weapons on offense to let it just slip away because you're not willing to make a move right now to fix the situation. It's an interesting idea. I give you that for sure. I mean, so, you got me thinking about it. Bill O'Brien, he's a quarterback guru. And, and let me add too, I, I want to just say, you know, you mentioned the Rams earlier and that's, that's a big, that's the team I like as well this week. They are playing in Washington, you know, Aaron Donald that, uh, you know, along the defensive line, man, that guy was just a terror last week and, uh, you know, playing the Redskins, wouldn't surprise me a bit to see, like kind of like you said, to see maybe Tavon Austin take back a kick or a punt. But then it also wouldn't surprise me to see the defense score a defensive touchdown as well. So if next week we're talking about the Rams scoring two touchdowns for that defensive special teams unit, that would not surprise me one bit. Yeah, that'd be great. So yeah, the Rams basically is one I'm looking at, the Panthers, the Titans, and the Dolphins. Uh, who are you looking at besides those four teams? I had Denver again. You know, it's after the fact, but I, I did, uh, I have liked Denver all along and I'm a, uh, I'm going to be, probably be all in on Denver, you know, until further notice. Yeah, Denver's definitely got a quality uh, defense. Their first two wins have been because of the defense. So, moving on, each week we like to give some sort of a tip for the week. For week two, my tip is to be wary, like we've talked about a little bit, of chasing the top performers from the previous week. We've already seen from the Thursday night game that, for instance, Travis Kelsey, one of the top tight ends in week one, took a huge dip in week two. And while there are exceptions, this is a particularly worthwhile concept for the larger tournaments. And that's, you know, pretty much what I play all the time. So those guys that go off one week 
are often heavily owned the following week. So you want to go against that herd mentality. Focus on some under-the-radar guys that have a high ceiling for the current week. And don't be shy about going for the elite players who didn't deliver that previous week. Chances are good that they'll bounce back and be lesser owned than usual. So for instance, Odell Beckham. Let's see if the real Odell shows up in week two. What are you thinking for a tip for the week? I'm going to suggest Monday Morning Quarterback, written by Peter King, longtime NFL writer, trusted voice. You know, he's a guy, he's got that rare ability. If there's a story that's going on that people want to find out about and that, you know, finally that publicist says, all right, you got to talk to somebody. Peter King is the guy they call. So he gets the inside scoop. There's no one with a bigger network of minds across the league, executives, coaches, players. He knows what's going on. He's been writing this column almost in the exact same format since the uh, the early 80s. He has his 10 things I think I think, you know, top 10 players and teams, along with a few other recurring features. If I could only read one piece of NFL literature each week, fantasy, non-fantasy, does not matter. It would take me as long as it takes you to snap your fingers to say the MMQB. It is so comprehensive and so insightful. You know, it could really get you by without one other piece of info if need be. This year, he has also added a specific fantasy section just due to demand because so many people are playing fantasy and playing daily fantasy especially. His info, you know, even before that still will tell you more than just about anybody else when it comes to the NFL, you know, whether it's designed for fantasy or not. As I said, no one has more sources. Nobody has more trust from players and executives. And the insight is just second to none. The Monday morning quarterback... Every Monday, it's out bright and early by 8 a.m. Read it. It's so comprehensive. Trust me, read it. Yeah, Peter King, definitely one of the bright minds. He's been around for ages. I remember reading him all the time in Sports Illustrated and numerous other places. So no doubt that's worth looking into. That does it for this episode. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. And if you do use iTunes, we'd really appreciate it if you'd post a review of the show. We'd love the feedback, and it really helps us move up the rankings there on iTunes. Don't forget to check us out for more news and tips at dailyfantasydudes.com. We'll post some of our final lineups there Sunday morning, about 30 to 45 minutes before the early games kick off, along with any late-breaking news and value picks. Matt, great talking to you again, and we'll do it again next week. For sure, Tom. And don't forget to follow me at YouFantasyDude on Twitter, everybody. And I'll always have links to the podcast and my Fantasy Hub blog articles posted on Twitter. So till next week, have fun, win money, don't be ridiculous. 